Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. have your Bibles, now is the time to get that out. However you do that, whether in digital form, on an iPad or a smartphone, or whether it's in book form, go ahead and open them. And we're going to hear today from Colossians chapter 3. Easter Sunday is always a difficult Sunday to preach. I know it seems like it should be easy, but honestly, I just get so swept up in the worship and in the celebration that I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to say something. Uh, we need to look at the Bible and hear. And sometimes when we go to the Bible on Easter Sunday, we read the story of the resurrection. We've done that the last couple of Easter's. This Sunday, we're going to look at one of Paul's letters and talk about the ramifications of resurrection and what it means for us to live into resurrection life. And so I hope you have your Bibles, that you'll open them up. We're looking at four short verses, but I believe they have so much to say to us in how we live into resurrection life. So here we are. Let's hear the word of the Lord in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This is Paul writing, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you, and that's a plural you. So if we were down south, Paul would write, Y'all, y'all died. Or if we were really into it, all y'all died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then all y'all also will appear with Him in glory. This is the Word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is always, thanks be to God. Well... Good news and bad news. How many of you like it when somebody comes out and says to you, I've got good news and bad news? Oh, how many of you focus on the bad news and you're worried about what's going to happen? How many of you are excited for the good news? How many of you are somewhere in between? Well, I'll never forget when the mechanic came out and said, I've got good news and bad news. You see, we were getting ready to sell our car. We had a 1996 Honda Civic, red, all the power that a four-cylinder can bring to you. <laughs> and we thought one little thing to sweeten the deal is maybe if we got new tires, that would help. And so we went to the local tire place. We were living in Southern California at the time. And the guy gave us the quote, and I said, okay, no problem. He said, I can't do it today. I'll bring it back uh, in a couple of days. We scheduled the appointment. I brought it. To the appointment. Later on that day, he calls me. I didn't pick up. He left a message. Well, I've got good news and bad news. Call me or come by when you can. I'm like, oh, no. So I went down to the shop and I wanted to see. I wanted to make sure I heard and saw this correctly. 
And I was like, oh man, okay. He said, well, the good news is it's going to be less than I quoted you. That's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. I'm sorry if you're a mechanic. No, no offense. It's going to be less than I quoted to you. I'm like, what? That's awesome. Love that. I'm just out of seminary. I'm building a counseling business, trying to get my feet on the ground and going. Less money paid out is wonderful. He says, the bad news is, the reason it's going to be less is because your driver's side rear tire is what I made the quote on. And that tire and wheel is bigger than all the other three tires on your car. That's a whole other story how that happens. It was good news that it was going to be cheaper. It was bad news because I was going to have to do a few things to participate in the good news. I was going to have to go and search and find the proper wheel so that they could then take it and I had to bring it back and then they would take that wheel and then they would put all four of the same size tires on my car so that I could drive it and sell it confidently knowing that it was good. And, good news, it was going to be cheaper than what he quoted me. Good news and bad news. Good news, it's cheaper. Bad news, there's some things I'm going to have to do to participate in the good news. I wasn't earning the good news. He just told me the reality of the way things were. Yet some effort was going to be required on my part. And I was happy to do that. It took me about an hour. It was well worth it. The letter of Colossians that Paul is writing, that we have read today, is an incredible letter. Probably in the fall, we need to come and do a series in Colossians. It's just an incredible book in the way Paul describes the work of Jesus. But today, we don't have time to unpack all of this, but we want to look at our four verses And Paul, in this letter, says to this church who is beginning to struggle with some things here and there that were in their culture and in their community, he says to them, in essence, there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is this, church. God loves you and wants you, more than anything, to experience the power of that love everywhere. That's good news. In fact, in chapter 1, I said we weren't going to go back, but we are. Paul writes this, For in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, God was pleased. If you have a way to underline the word pleased, you should underline that. God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of His cross. What was Paul saying there? Paul was saying that in Jesus we see all of what the Father is about. And what we should take from it is the Father was pleased To reconcile. I'm not going to give you the Greek word for that, but it means He took everything out in order to make it level for us 
to interact with Him as equals. Anything that was between us, He dealt with it. He reconciled, brought us back into right relationship with Him. And He made peace. Paul, as a good Jew, would have the word shalom in mind. He's bringing wholeness, completeness. This is what God has done in Jesus. This is what Good Friday was all about. It was God saying to the world, I love you and I want more than anything for you, each and every one of you, to experience the power of that love every minute of every day. I told you to underline God was pleased. Because so often I think we, we have somehow gotten this understanding that Jesus died and was punished so that God could forgive us. I love what Brian Zahn, Pastor Brian Zahn says here. He says, Jesus didn't die on the cross to convince the Father to forgive us. Jesus died on the cross to show us what the Father is willing to sacrifice and to suffer while forgiving us. God was pleased. God wanted more than anything for you to know that you are loved. And He wants you to experience the power of that love in your everyday life. That is Good news. Now you may be saying, you don't know who I am. You don't know the things I've done, Pastor Jeff. You don't know how selfish I am. You don't know how prideful I am. You don't know how arrogant I am. You don't know the things that I struggle with. All I can say to you is good news. God loves you. And God wants more than anything for you to experience the power of that love in your everyday life. You might say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've wounded people, hurt people. You don't know the things I'm addicted to. You don't know the the substances that I use. You don't know how much damage I have caused in the world. Good news to you. God loves you. And wants nothing more than for you to experience the power of that love every minute of every day. But pastor, you don't know how I identify. I'm a part of some of those culture wars that we're against. I'm a part of that community. I'm a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I want to say to you with full confidence in the gospel, the good news is that God loves you and wants nothing more than for you to experience the power of that love in your every waking moment. You may say, Pastor, I, I don't, I'm just here because somebody asked me. And, and I'm not sure I even believe in all of this stuff. Can I say to you, good news? God loves you. 
And He wants nothing more than for you to experience that love in your everyday life, every minute of every day. Now, bad news. Participatory news. If you accept this good news and want to live into this resurrection life, then Paul writes in our first part of verse 3, you'll have to die to yourself, to your desires, to your dreams, to your longings. Let's look at this. If you, again, plural, have died for your, you, for you, you all have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So in other words, what does that mean? It means that just as Jesus showed us the way by letting go in order to grow, we have to let go. As Jesus showed us the truth that life is found in giving, not in getting, we have to learn how to give. Just like Jesus showed us the life and that it comes to us through dying to ourselves then we must enter into the way and die to ourselves, our desires, our dreams. We must die to our way and receive His way and His truth and His life. That's how we're called. We have to participate in this. And this is hard. I mean, Paul uses the word death, and that's what it's going to feel like. If you've ever tried to to change some of those things, that's what it will feel like. But, aren't you glad? The good news is that Jesus' resurrection life also becomes yours. And in, this, in that first part of our first verse, we see that since then, you have been raised. I want you to underline, have been. That's past tense. That's right now. It's actually in the aorist tense, which means it happened in the past, but it has ramifications that continue on into the present right now. You have been and continue to be raised with Christ. So what Paul is saying is, when we die to ourselves like Jesus did, we are raised to new life by Jesus. I know it's hot in here. Did you go to sleep? Let me read that again. When we die to ourselves like Jesus, we are raised to new life by Jesus. That's good news. His resurrection power operates in you. In fact, in Romans, another letter that Paul wrote, he would say to them, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Is there anything more powerful? No. No. Easter is all about new life for all, my friends. For all, And if you accept this new life, you actually have to learn how to live into it. And that's what he shows us here. And we're going to look at this. I, I like to think of it this way. This, my friends, is an amazing vehicle. This is a 1981 Toyota Tercel. Four-cylinder, four on the floor. With reverse. It has Naugahyde from ceiling to floor. 
I honestly believe that if you spilled something in this car, you could just take the hose and just hose it right out. No damage. This was my very first vehicle. And this vehicle came to me. Good news. Christmas Day. You. We lived down south, so I didn't have to worry about snow. Here's the key. Good news. Oh, it's stick shift. I've never driven stick shift. I actually had to learn how to push in a clutch and put it in gear and pull it into second gear and third gear. Thankfully, it's a very forgiving car. But I was given it. It was good news. But I was going to have to die to the old automatic way, the lazy way of just pushing buttons in order to go. And learn how to live into this good news. And I think that's what Paul is doing in these four short verses. He gives us three things to help us live into this new life. You may want to write these down. We'll look at this. The first thing he says is that we must, if we're going to learn to live into this life, we must set our hearts on Jesus. He writes, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your, say it with me. Hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now I want to stop here because it says things above. And all of a sudden we're thinking about heaven. I'm just going to think about heaven. Oh, heaven's going to be so great. Heaven's amazing. And it is. And it will be. But Paul right here wants to focus us not on a place, but on a person. On who is in that high place. He wants us to see that it's not about heaven. He, it's not about setting our hearts on a place. It is about setting our hearts on a person. And that person is Jesus, who sits in the place of authority next to God the Father. And we are called to have our hearts focused there on Him. Why is the heart so important? For those Greek speakers back then and for the Hebrews, the heart is the seat of desire and of will. So Paul wants us to say, where you desire things, where you make decisions from, where your will comes from, that needs to be focused on the things of Jesus. And it must be set on Him. It's interesting, the word for set, here's your first Greek word, are you ready? Wake up, Greek word time. It is the word zetete. It's fun to say, isn't it? Let's say it all together, ready? One, two, three, zetete. Say it one more time, one, two, three, zetete. Let's say it one more time because it's Easter. Ready? One, two, three, zetete. What does zetete mean? Zetete, according to the Greek dictionary, means to seek. To search for, to desire, to require, or to plot. That, that last part kind of sums up the direction of all of this. When, when Paul writes, we must set our heart. We must plot and seek and search for and desire what we think we require. We must set our hearts above where Christ is seated. Look to His things. Our heart needs that. And it is a determination. It is a choice to set my heart to do that. Now, it can be a good choice. Something I really do desire. But I have to make that choice. It reminds me of someone named Lori Bird. 
Now, Lori and I went on a couple of dates, and then we didn't. And I'll let her tell you all that, because she has a different version of the story than I do. (laughs) But when I determined that my heart was set on her, oh, I plotted. I knew she sang, and I sang, and there was this talent competition coming up at school. I thought, we should sing a song together at the talent competition. She said, that'd be great. All innocent. We went into the practice room, and I had picked out the song. Remember that song? When I fall in love, it will be completely... Oh, it it was so good. She played it off really well, kept me in the chase, kept me plotting, kept me zetete, looking for what I desired and what I required so that I could just be around when she was looking for a date for the homecoming thing because she had been voted as the representative. And I said, oh, I'd be happy to do that. You see, I made those decisions. My heart was set. Zetete, I was plotting, I was scheming, I was looking to what it is. And Paul says, if you want to live into resurrection life, your heart must be Zetete, set on things above. Looking to Jesus for the way we are called to live life. We've got to move on. Number two, well, let me ask you this question before we move on. Are you ready to set your heart on Jesus today? It's important. Number two, We must set our head on Jesus. Paul writes later on, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The word for mind is the word phronesis. Can we say that together? Ready? One, two, three. Phronesis. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Phronesis. And one last time because we always say things in threes. Ready? One, two, three. Phronesis. Phronesis literally means mind set. It is, I have this mindset, I have this attitude. It is the same word that Paul uses in Philippians, let this same phronesis be in you that was in Christ Jesus. It's a mindset, it's an attitude, it is where we move forward. Again, it is about choosing to focus on the same things that Jesus focused on. This may not be news to all of you, but we are easily distracted people, aren't we? We let a lot of things distract us, that's right. We often let our past distract us. We often let our preferences distract us. We often let our politics distract us and steal our time and our thoughts. And Paul wants to say to this church who is experiencing some of those very things, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, not on the earthly things that have held you captive in the past. Look to Him. That is going to be important. Now, I know we hope to never see any more of this, at least for the next eight or nine months. But I don't know if you can see the little skier in there. I'm always fascinated by this. How in the world do you ski like that through the trees. If that was me, I would title this, uh, this painting or this picture, Future Concussion. 
But I loved as I was hearing someone interview someone else, how do you ski through trees like that and go fast? And they said, here's the most important thing. You don't focus on the trees. You focus on the snow. Where the snow is, that's where you go. Because if you get to focusing on the trees, if you get to focusing on how fast they're going and the next one that's coming, you will invariably hit one. The goal is to keep your mind on the snow, your eyes looking for the white, looking for where it is to go, and you point your skis in that direction, and that's how you go. That is setting your mind on Christ. Not letting the politics of our world distract us, church. Amen? But setting our hearts above, our mindset on Jesus, on His things. Not looking to our past. If you look backwards while you're trying to ski forwards, you're going to hit a tree. No, you look forward. You set your mind on what Christ has done and is doing in your life today, right now. We don't look to our preferences because our preferences might lead us into a tree. We look for where Christ has gone and we follow in His footsteps. Are you ready, church, to set your head on Jesus, to have your mind focused on where He's going? How do we set our heart and head on Jesus? Just a few things. You can read the Gospels. It's a wonderful way to set your mind and heart on Jesus. You will look and see how Jesus loved, how Jesus served. You'll learn His teachings. You'll learn what He understood. You'll learn about how to live into the kingdom that He brought. That's important. Then get in a small group. It's not something that we do alone. We do together. There are small groups you can sign up for on all the tables right out there, and you can be a part of this. You can attend worship services. You can go to service groups and, and just learn. Ours is a faith we learn by doing, by serving. So we encourage you to be a part of that. And just in case you were wondering, all of these happen right here every week. And you're invited to be a part. We want you here. We want you to help us live into resurrection life. And lastly, as you participate in these things, you begin to realize the final thing. You set your hope on Jesus. You begin to realize that your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Some of you are already singing it. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Paul gives us a hope that's set on Jesus when he writes, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That's good news. That means when He appears, we will be ready. That means we will be renewed people ready for a renewed planet. It means we will be renewed units who are ready for a renewed universe. It means that we will be renewed. You and I will be renewed human beings ready for a renewed heaven and earth. This is good news. You might be thinking, this is impossible for me, Pastor. 
I want to give you one more example. About 11 years ago, a friend of mine, we worked out, we did those P90X videos that were so popular back then. He said, you know, I think we could do a marathon. And I said, you're crazy. I don't like to run. But he got me believing. And that meant it was good news that my body was going to be able to run 26.2 miles. But it was going to require me to participate. And we ran and we joined some groups to learn how to run and to do all of this so that when the starting gun went off, I was able to run. And 26.2 miles later when I crossed the finish line, I won't tell you how long it took. And that medal was placed upon me. I was ready for it. Because I had received the good news and participated in the life that allowed me to be ready for the run and allowed me to be ready for the finish. And today, when we set our hope on Jesus and set our, our, our head on Jesus and our hearts on Jesus, we can begin to be prepared for the marathon of life. And it will begin and we will run and we will go. And when the end comes, we will, you will be ready, my friends. No need to be afraid. You will be ready. Folks, I know this sounds hard, but I want you to know that as a young 15-year-old boy who was selfish and wanted nothing more than to be cool, I even grew a mullet. (laughs) Who was into doing what he thought was right who was following his friends into all kinds of troublemaking, who was giving his parents some lovely gray hairs. But one day I heard the good news that God loved me, yes, me, even me. And he wanted me to experience the power of that love every day of my life, every moment of my life, and I began the journey. And I want to say he has been faithful every step of the way. And he has called, and he has made me ready for the call. And he continues to move us forward, and he can do the same in your life. So today, at the end of our Easter service, let's just sit with these questions. Is your heart set? Is your head set? Is your hope set on Jesus? All on Jesus. My friends, I want to invite you to this great journey because I trust that He can do that work in you. His life can be yours today. That's good news. Are you ready to participate? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for reconciling us healing us, making us whole. Help us now as we receive bread and cup 
to begin the journey of living into resurrection life. For we pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. One of the ways that the church has always invited people into the journey is by inviting them to the table. And I want to say to you today that this is not my table. This is not the Church of the Nazarene's table. This is not Cross Community Church's table. This is the table of Jesus. And if you have heard Him say, I have good news for you. I love you and I want you to experience that love today. And you want to begin the journey of participating, of setting your heart, your head, and your hope on Him. Then you are welcome to come and receive bread and cup today. All you have to do, all that's required is to be hungry for this Jesus that I've just talked with you about. And so in just a moment, I'm going to have everyone stand. And this is how we'll do it. There'll be someone standing in front of each section. And you are all to go out this way, come down, receive from them the bread and the cup. There are two cups in every one. This one will be mine. The juice is on top. The bread's underneath. Okay? Still trying to be a little COVID safe. But we want to invite you to be a part of this. I want you to know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. And He said, this is My body broken for you. Take and eat. On the same night, He took the cup. He took juice. He poured it out. And He said, this is My blood shed for you. Take and drink. And He is still saying that to you today. Will you begin the journey living, resurrected life. If so, I invite you to come. Would you Let's hold up the bread. Body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the One who is risen, broken for you. Take and eat. blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Take and drink and be thankful. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us how deeply the Father loves us. May the grace that comes to us in the bread and the cup energize us to live the resurrected life every day of our life. We pray this In Jesus' name. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And then we're going to sing our way out. Is that okay? We want to sing an old hymn together, a good resurrection hymn. The band is going to play and sing. You can stay and sing. You can sing on your way out. But we're just glad you're here. Receive this blessing. And now, my brothers and sisters, my friends here and online, may you set your heart on Jesus. May you set your head on Jesus. May you then realize that that will cause you to hope in Jesus. And may you experience the power of Christ's resurrection love every moment of every day. Go in His name. Go in His strength. 
Go in His resurrection love and share it with those around you. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen? Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.